the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Good afternoon, Northern California. Welcome. Just about five minutes after the hour of 5 p.m. as we welcome you to another edition of Lifeline. Keeping you company Monday through Friday at this time, as we typically do, addressing issues that impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk. In November of 2016, with a 57% majority, California voters approved recreational marijuana use in our state. Since that time, we've joined other states, including Oregon, Washington, Colorado, and most recently, Minnesota, making it the 23rd state of the union approving recreational marijuana. But although those states may say yes, does this continue to be problematic, particularly in light of the fact that at the federal level, marijuana use continues to be a class one drug? Joining me now is Brad Dacus, constitutional lawyer, founder and president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Counselor, as always, a delight to have you join us. And let's get some a little bit of basic law background here. Uh, undoubtedly, some folks get a bit confused. I mentioned that technically this is still on the records as a class one restricted narcotic, and yet states are voting in favor of it. How do we deal with this apparent dichotomy between the federal regulation versus what states are doing? What's important to realize is that even though marijuana as a state issue is is legal, if you will, for recreational purposes, point one, it does still violate federal law. And people say, well, you know, the federal law isn't really not enforcing it. Well, on the face of it, uh, it's still violating federal law. There's a potential creation for liability with regards to the, the RICO statutes and, uh, and uh, trafficking drugs to minors. So, you know, it's not immune from federal law, and it's not completely immune from federal enforcement, particularly when we're dealing with the placement of something that could result in drug trafficking and, and other kinds of concerns. And also on a statewide level, in fact, uh, you know, we have a uh, law you know, passed in, in California several decades ago, actually in the late 80s, uh, that was passed specifically to protect areas where children are, where there's schools or churches, from uh, having drug dispensaries that uh, could be close to them that could in any way impact children. Uh, there's a you know, solid case law on that, uh, you know, addressing that issues. You know, we, uh, we know that this fact, this center is near... Um, you know, a religious institution, an LDS church. It's near where you know children play, where they hang out near a Seven Eleven. So it clearly makes sense to restrict business that can only serve adults, including marijuana dispensaries, uh, from areas uh, such as are intrinsically uh, that will, will draw children. And what I just quoted wasn't me; it was actually case law, the Mandane versus City of Staten case uh, that was 2010. You know, very directly applicable to this and. Is, uh, should be a warning shot for the uh, uh, for the city uh, not to make this uh, serious mistake. Well, I find fascinating about this uh, as we hear arguments that have been put forward, not only in terms of passage of the legalization of first so-called medicinal marijuana, now more recently recreational use in a variety of states, 23 total now. There seems to be that sense of this is the new miracle drug. Look how it has all of these wonderful benefits. And it somewhat reminds me of the approach that was taken to cigarette smoking maybe 60, 70 years ago that in those days it was extolled for the health benefits, it had calming effects, things of this sort. And so they were all in favor of it until they weren't, when they realized, oh, wait, we haven't done enough studies on this. Now we're realizing that cigarette smoking causes cancer and emphysema. And so suddenly the government had to step in in the 1960s and say, hold your horses. We've finally done the research and we've determined that it isn't so great to smoke after all, I'm wondering if that's part of the flaw in the passage of these laws, that there simply has not been enough medical history, enough research done to fully understand the impacts. And then dovetailing into the second part of that question, Counselor, and that is we all know the dangers of drinking and driving and communities are very good at 
running sobriety checks, sending out public service announcements, restricting the places where liquor can be advertised, reminding people that if you're going to drink, don't drive, drink responsibly, things of that sort. And yet there's very little discussed about driving while you're impaired in relationship to marijuana use and very few warning signs out there. And and there hasn't been a similar educational campaign. So it almost as if there's a failure at multiple levels here. And sadly, the ones that are going to suffer will be the innocent person crossing the street that gets hit by a car because the driver is half stoned and their reactions are delayed and as a result they didn't stop in time it's going to have a, a number of impacts and effects uh, you know from like, like you just mentioned you know individuals uh, you know suffering from being you know hit by a car but also we know we know for a fact that with drug pot distribution centers, marijuana distribution centers, that uh, it also precipitates, you know, other kinds of drug trafficking. Uh, that's a given. Um, and in fact, that danger is, is so evident and so real that in California, the California Health and Safety Code, Section 11362.79, it generally prohibits the use of medical marijuana you know, within a, a thousand feet of a school, recreation center, or youth center, and that children in particular, quote, can have a, it can have a negative effect on them. This is California law, and we know it well because we at Pacific Justice Institute, uh, we cited this against the city of San Francisco. There was a, an area in San Francisco that was going to bring in a marijuana dispensary. It was less than a thousand feet from a church. Well, that's a youth center. That's where children have Sunday school and they play, etc. And uh, we simply cited the law, and we made it very clear, you're going to violate the law. And the city of San Francisco, the city council, they're not a big fan of Pacific Justice Institute, make no mistake. We didn't have any you know, buddies winking at us uh, there with uh, the city council. They were very hostile to us, but they said, we cannot ignore the law, and we have to comply, and we will not allow this marijuana dispensary to be uh, in violation of this California Health and Safety Code provision. Uh, if a union city carries this out, they're making a serious mistake. This marijuana dispensary is 35 feet from residential community, uh, you know, near a church where they have Sunday school. It's got uh, a number of elements to it that we believe on its face violate the, the state law, California Health and Safety Code, uh, Section 11, 362.79. And even more importantly and practically is the effect. Why we have that safety code is because the effect on children and the children in that community, uh, they cannot be ignored. You should also not ignore a recent study that was released by the National Institute of Health, uh, a 2001 study that found heavy use of marijuana by teens and young adults increases mood disorders such as depression, bipolar disorder. Those have also been linked to increased risk for self-harm, suicide attempts, and death. In addition, they found that regular marijuana use may consequently lead to reduced educational attainment and in adults, poor work performance and dangerous driving. So we understand that there are some pretty severe consequences to the recreational use of marijuana, even in spite of perhaps some of the, uh, the, the occasional ancillary reports of beneficial medicinal use. But the broader issue here, too, Counselor, perhaps you can address is the crime that attends to this. For example, we know that there has been an effort underway in Congress to try and pass the so-called Safe Banking Act that would allow marijuana dispensaries to utilize traditional banking services right now by law because this continues to sit under a class one narcotic at the federal level they're effectively blocked from using traditional banks and according to information from inside cannabis organizations uh, industry spokespeople that have indicated 70 percent of the marijuana dispensaries across the country are non-banked so that says to me that it's predominantly an all-cash business that sells a very valuable product. Well, you put the two together, it's almost the equivalent of having a jewelry store completely unguarded that does all their business in cash. There was even recently a report in Oakland of a dispensary that over the Christmas holidays was burglarized, and they not only walked off with cash and product, totaling $500,000. But I think it goes to the point that this is the kind of business that needs to be in areas that can provide the kind of security and atmosphere that will protect average citizens. People walking to school, folks taking the dog out for a walk, a senior citizen crossing the street on their way to go get a bite to eat at a local restaurant. It's shown to have impacts on communities 
Uh, it also uh, results in increased crime. We know that. That's not even disputable. We also know that it has medical consequences. Uh, you mentioned before in terms of depression and bipolar facilitating that, especially you know, uh, heavy usages of it. That um, also you know, inhibits students, uh, their ability to reach their potential. In fact, neurologists I know who's done a lot of research on this has pointed out that it's conclusive that it also inhibits brain development in three different parts of the brain, and the brain is developing uh, up until about the age of 26. So it is a, a real impediment to the future and development of children, and that's going back to the education, the, the health and safety code. That's why it is prohibited for such institutions like this, dispensaries, to be within a thousand feet of where students congregate, uh, it's that important. Uh, you know, to cite another case, the Nestrop case, uh, it was a very important case dealing with this issue. The court declared that the, the dangers associated with drug trafficking uh, make it necessary to minimize the negative impacts and secondary effects of marijuana dispensaries by tightly regulating their locations and avoiding close proximity to sensitive areas like schools churches and residential neighborhoods and that's exactly what we're talking about here with this marijuana dispensary with where they want to put it and approve it it is blatantly going against solid public policy as well as state law and technically federal law as well we're speaking today with attorney brad dacus of the pacific justice institute regarding a proposal in the city of union city to place the city's third recreational marijuana store in a densely populated residential neighborhood and of course the ensuing concerns over public safety, safety of children and the increased crime and violence typically associated with these types of businesses. We're urging listeners across the Bay Area to get involved and to make a difference and whether or not you live in Union City, why don't you drop a quick email to the mayor of Union City, Carol D at UnionCity.org and urge the mayor to abandon this proposal. Again, you can email the mayor of Union City, Carol Dutra Vernacci, Carol D at UnionCity.org. And I would also urge you to contact the chief of police, Jared Renetti, police chief at UnionCity.org. That's police chief at UnionCity.org and urge them to not place the city's third recreational marijuana store in a residential neighborhood. A brief timeout back with more as this special edition of Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. There's another aspect of this that largely has been out of the public dialogue that I find very curious. We hear quite often reminders about limitations to drinking. And of course, it depends on the kind of alcohol that you're consuming, fermented versus distilled, things of this sort, the quantity of alcohol, the period of time over which you consume it, whether or not you consume it on an empty stomach, etc., etc. Concluding that anybody who has a blood alcohol level of 0.08 or higher is technically considered impaired and therefore can be subject to arrest for drunk driving. My question is, what are the limits for marijuana use? Is it one joint or two? Is it five gummies or ten? How do we ascertain the different levels at which an individual is considered to be impaired so that if they choose to recreationally experience marijuana, they know where to stop? I don't believe I've ever heard guidelines of that sort offered by the Surgeon General's office or anyone else in the country for that matter. You're correct. In fact, it's very problematic uh, with law enforcement in places where marijuana is legal, in states where it's legal, because they can't just simply show that someone's on marijuana. The issue, if it's legal, then the issue becomes, are they on marijuana to the point that it's affecting their driving? How do I prove that? It's actually very problematic as opposed to alcohol where you can have a breathing test on spot. So it's going to make things even more difficult uh, in a way for law enforcement as well. And, of course, we cannot forget the fact that, that marijuana is a gateway drug. Studies show that those who use marijuana are much more likely to move on to heavier drugs, particularly when they're dealing with increased depression, bipolar, and other consequential issues that result from excessive and extensive marijuana use. So it's very problematic. Any city that welcomes this dispensary in this kind of a location where we know it's going to impact children and influence minors, it's irresponsible. It's a clear breach of public trust, and uh, the people should take note of this not only now, but also come Election Day. 
Counselor, I'm curious, where does law enforcement weigh in on this topic? And, and I pose that question because, if, for example, a industry publication called Marijuana Biz Daily, this industry website reports, and I'm quoting here, the spike of violent robberies at pot retail outlets across the U.S. is putting the industry on edge, close quote. They have even gone as far as to release a so-called robbery preparedness guide. On top of that, we have the National Cannabis Risk Management Association reporting that pot stores are taking the place of liquor stores and convenience stores as easy targets because they've got quick money, limited security, they're open to the public, and they sell a very valuable product with lots of cash on hand. And then we begin to cite a number of the incidences of violent robberies. A store, for example, called Blunts and More in Oakland had its location robbed last summer. Another store, Lobo Canagar, also in Oakland, had more than a dozen masked intruders robbed the store last November. Even the San Francisco Examiner reporting that Bay Area pot stores are frequently facing mob robberies. 20 such robberies in the city of San Francisco alone. And quite frequently, not only do they come en masse, but they come loaded to the teeth with weapons. And of course, this raises a major concern, not for any community in general, but particularly for the health and safety of its residents, even putting law enforcement at risk. Where does law enforcement come in? How are they weighing in on this issue of the growing number of so-called recreational pot stores across the state? Law enforcement don't want this in their communities uh, where they serve because they know with it comes increased crime. Uh, this was pointed out actually in a case that's called the Nestrop case in the uh, California Appellate Court. Uh, it was interesting, so they pointed out that in addition to the dangers of drug trafficking and black market and getting kids addicted to it and illegal drug use, the harmful secondary effects cannot be ignored. The case points out that these marijuana dispensaries, you know, they include secondary effects like murders, robberies, burglaries, assaults, drug trafficking, and other violent crimes, end quote. These are harmful secondary effects, major secondary effects that will be brought into those communities. Any effort by a local government to simply say, well, we'll let them come in because it will increase our tax revenue is very short-sighted. Uh, when they uh, look at the long-term costs uh, in terms of property values, victims, increased costs for law enforcement, maintaining control, you know, you just have to you know, go north and take a look at Oakland and, and realize maintaining civil control in society is not a given. Sometimes it's very difficult. Uh, you have communities literally dying economically and socially because they did not adopt good policies to uh, address that which precipitates crime. In this case, we're talking about marijuana dispensaries. It's indisputable what happens when they come in. And a responsible city council should understand that. And if not, they'll watch, watch it play out. And, and, and the, the effects will be on their hands because they're the ones that voted to approve this very irresponsible initiative to, to have something like this brought into the, to another part of their community. And clearly, many towns and municipalities are looking at it from the revenue enhancement viewpoint. That certainly must be the motivation in Union City to approve the third such marijuana store in a relatively small community of, of barely seven. 70,000 people. And yet the irony is, and I would suspect this might be common in many municipalities across the state, that the city ordinance governing all of this provides no mandatory third-party independent audits of the income of these stores. So when the store promises X number of revenue or even goes as far as to say, hey, we're going to be good neighbors, we're going to take 1% of our gross revenue and donate it to nonprofits and let the city manage the dollars, they feel that this is a a good feel-good sort of project, but there's no independent verification as to whether or not this store, largely an all-cast business as we've articulated before, you don't know if they're making a million dollars a day, a million dollars a week, or a million dollars in a year. You have no idea because there's no mechanism that forces them to prove exactly what the income levels look like. So it would appear to be more wishful thinking on the parts of city council than actually rooted in any sort of verifiable third-party independent acknowledgement of what the actual revenue benefits may be. But even at that, at the end of the day, as you've articulated, more often than not, the risk to the community, the damage to quiet enjoyment, the physical risk that this pose, more often than not, significantly outweighs any promises of additional revenue to the city coffers. Yes, that's absolutely right. Uh, it's very short-sighted. Speculative benefit for something that is not speculative in terms of it, the cost to the society and to the community. There's great case law 
applying uh, the, the California Juvenile Drug Trafficking Schoolyard Act of 1988, where they held that deterrence of future drug activity provides ample justification for applying that act at all times. And that's a case law out of the uh, Williams 10 Cal app, very uh, well-cited case dealing with that. You know, they also, it's important to note that the county itself, the county itself has enacted uh, its own provision, Alameda County, outlawing any kind of youth center near, uh, you know, less than 100 feet from a dispensary. Uh, well, you know, youth center, that includes you know, any public or private facility that is used to host recreational social activities for minors. That's according to municipal code, section 5.44.020. Well, under that definition, a noble education, it's an art school for children located right there. That certainly qualifies. That and the LDS Church, but even granting that you know, the LDS Church's southern institution is not within 100 feet of the property, allowing the dispensary to operate, uh, that violates uh, the spirit, if not the, the letter, of the Municipal Code's provisions to protect children from the evils of drug trafficking. So we, we see here a technical violation, and then other institutions nearby uh, would violate the Municipal Code, and we would contend that that they would all be uh, relevant in, in proving that it violates the California Juvenile Drug and Trafficking and Schoolyard Act of 1988. So cities like this, they need to be responsible. We at Pacific Justice Institute, we took on the city of San Francisco. We won. We made it very clear to them they're violating the law and they're, they're going to be sued. They realized it and they surrendered and reversed their position, not allowing a marijuana dispensary to be in that uh, location that they wanted to bring it in because of its proximity to um, youth-oriented institutions. Well, in the same way, I hope uh, the Union City does, does the right thing. They're going to precipitate a lot of problems, not only financially, socially, but also legally at the end of the day. Counselor, final question for you. We've articulated the fact that 23 states have now approved so-called recreational use of marijuana. California has licensed some 866 marijuana stores as of January of this year. I suppose this proposed one in Union City now makes it 867. For listeners who are really concerned, they are concerned about the secondary effects of marijuana smoke, the impact on health, uh, wondering when is it going to be before the Surgeon General steps in and comes the realization that this is dangerous as much as we did cigarette and tobacco use 60 years ago. Where do we stand in terms of how people can respond if in their local municipality and their community they get wind that the city council in their town is considering approving something like this that can impact their quiet enjoyment, the peacefulness of their neighborhood, put their children at risk, etc., etc. How should folks be interacting? They need to understand that they do have rights and that there are laws that uh, can help protect them and their use in their community. We encourage them to contact us at Pacific Justice Institute. They can do it by simply going to our website, pji.org. If we at PJI can take on the city of San Francisco, we can take on any local municipality that refuses to act responsibly and legally when it comes to marijuana dispensaries uh, in different communities. Yes, they can exist legally, but that doesn't give them a blank check to simply open shop anywhere particularly when it violates state law, local county codes, and uh, will directly impact the health and welfare of the youth and others in that community. We're speaking today with attorney Brad Dacus of the Pacific Justice Institute regarding a proposal in the city of Union City to place the city's third recreational marijuana store in a densely populated residential neighborhood. And, of course, the ensuing concerns over public safety, safety of children, and the increased crime and violence typically associated with these types of businesses. We're urging listeners across the Bay Area to get involved and to make a difference. And whether or not you live in Union City, why don't you drop a quick email to the mayor of Union City, Carol D. at unioncity.org, and urge the mayor to abandon this proposal. Again, you can email the mayor of Union City, Carol Dutra Vernacci, Carol D at unioncity.org. And I would also urge you to contact the chief of police, Jared Renetti, police chief at unioncity.org. That's police chief at unioncity.org and urge them to not place the city's third recreational marijuana store in a residential neighborhood. A brief timeout back with more as this special edition of Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. 
Let's talk with Councilmember Jaime Patino. And Councilmember Patino, I guess to kind of lead off, walk us through. Union City, not a huge town in comparison to neighboring communities like San Francisco and Oakland that have marijuana recreational stores in the dozens. Union City, the third such store. What went into this decision? So in 2018, we took this issue to the voters. The voters approved it overwhelmingly, and we agreed to only open three stores. The first two were on, if you don't know Union City, it's divided by 880. So on the west side of 880, there are two locations, retail locations. We wanted to diversify things, so we, we said the next one needs to be on the east side. And last year, our uh, Economic Development Department did a survey. They found locations. And it went to the Planning Commission. They approved the locations. And then it went to us, and we approved the locations. All the neighbors there were notified. They were within a certain radius of each location, of each area that was that was deemed to be okay for re, uh, retail cannabis. They were allowed, they were given notice that we were going to vote. No one spoke up back then. So that this is what, what now we're where we're at right now. Okay, now when you say nobody spoke up, meaning there wasn't much community opposition to to the placement in that particular location? Well, there were a, a few locations that were that were named, but the city did proactive outreach to the people in the vicinity that worked that, that lived there to let them know that this was going to be considered. And invited them to attend not only the planning commission meeting but the city council meeting. No one attended. And so I, I wanted to put that out there because a lot of people think that we just did this in the, dark, the cover of night. It did not happen that way. My question is this. The reports that we have heard and what I understand is that there was a pretty decent crowd at the city council meeting the night that this was decided upon that brought about a lot of vocal opposition to this. All people from that district, that section of Union City, and the vast majority of those that spoke out in favor of it either appeared to be people that had been recruited by by the permit applicant or were employees of the permit applicant. And I guess the big question, and one of the reasons why we've been following the stories, it seems as if the residents in the neighborhood are steadfastly against it, and yet the city council has voted in favor of this. And one of the things that I think that is a distinction here, the two previous locations that were permitted, one in Union Landing, the other on Union City Boulevard, are largely in non-residential commercial areas where this particular location literally backs up by maybe 35, 40-something feet to an entirely residential neighborhood. So I guess the big question is, there seems to be, there was either a lack of input from the community during the early stages of the the decision-making process by the council, or, as some have suggested, it seems as if the council just simply ignored the wishes of the residents that would be the most impacted by the presence of a dispensary of this sort. And, and yes, and I do understand uh, the uh, their concerns. A lot of the people, when they, you talk about cannabis, they think of bad Cheech and Chong movie. They don't think about older people, that, like my grandmother, who's almost 94, that get the cream for her arthritis. They don't think about some people that, uh, that take a gummy at night just so they can sleep because they have insomnia. They are thinking just about a bunch of whacked out hippies smoking weed and, and getting stoned all the time. That is not what is happening here. I've actually asked a lot of the people that have reached out. To, if you haven't been to a cannabis uh, retail cannabis store, please come with me and I'll show you the protocols in place. One, to make sure that, it's, that kids don't have access to the store. And two, that it's not just smoking weed. It's not just like I said, a bad Cheech and Chong movie. And I don't know necessarily that the concern that has been raised is necessarily over the medicinal benefits related to cannabis. I mean, even people that suffer from glaucoma have received benefits from it. I think yes. the concern is the kind of violent potential robberies and or burglaries that this tends to attract. And you know that there was a active shooting that happened at one of the cannabis stores, the one there located in the Union City Landing area, within two weeks of the council making this decision. The other store on Union City Boulevard had an automobile driven into the front doors. Even organizations like the National Cannabis Risk Management Association has been reporting that pot stores across the country have been taking the place of essentially liquor stores and convenience stores because they're easy targets. They 
They've got quick money, limited security. They're open to the public, and they sell a very valuable product. And because the fact that the so-called Safe Banking Act continues to get blockage in the Senate, this is largely, in many cases, a entirely cash-related business. And so I think what residents are looking at is not necessarily an objection to the existence of the store. It's the location and what these stores tend to attract in terms of robberies and violent crime. Mr. Roberts, the current robberies that have occurred at at, uh, cannabis retail outlets are symptoms of the overall increase in crime we have seen across the state and the nation. This has been caused by legislatures that pass weak on crime bills and that lower penalties for certain offenses, such as theft and robbery. And it's further exacerbated by woke DAs that advocate for more advocate more for the criminal than for the actual victims. So, I mean, yes, but it's happening everywhere. It's happening at at Walmart. There was a lockdown at Walmart a couple weeks ago in Fremont because of a a gang of about 10 cars going down 880 that was going to do a smash and grab. You know, do we close the Walmarts and the the, uh, 7-Elevens? I think it's more a national trend, a state trend that we're seeing that these weak on crime policies are not working. Well, there's no doubt that there's an uptick in crime across the country and certainly more so in in certain communities like Oakland and San Francisco. And I don't think anybody would would debate that. I think the issue at hand here is the concern that this is being invited into a largely residential neighborhood. The uptick in traffic alone, the city council meeting, the, the representative from the Union City Police Department admitted they had done no traffic study, and the applicant is indicating that there could be as many as 800 to 1,200 cars per day in a very congested section of Union City that already suffers on Dakota Road because of ongoing construction and is just a major thoroughfare cutting right through the middle of the city. So I think the concern is not the existence, not trying to deny people access. They can order it online and have it delivered. I think the big objection is, why place it so close to a residential neighborhood? You're within less than 100 yards of a retirement community of senior citizens who frequently are walking across the street with their walkers, ignoring traffic. Now you're going to increase traffic by such a significant degree, and you don't want to close down the Walmart, but Walmart is not typically located across the street or right next to a residential area. Security will be in the parking lot. Security will be 24-7, so there will be a visible security presence in the parking lot there to deter anybody from doing anything be 24-7. Of course, the problem with that is that that's the case in many of these dispensaries across the state, and yet it has not done a thing to weaken or to dissuade people from targeting these kinds of stores. And like I said earlier, they're targeting all retail outlets, and it's, and it's, and it's because the consequences of getting caught are so minimum. minimal. We, we, our officers arrest some people for, for, for things that should be serious felonies. No one's spending time in jail anymore. They're, they're just getting a sight and release. That's a, that's a bigger systemic issue on our weekend on crime bills, the week on crime bills that are going, they're getting passed by our state legislature and, and our DAs that just aren't doing their job. I, I would concur with you uh, to the greatest degree, but then final question, if that be the case in recognizing this, why permit it in a residential neighborhood? Why not pick another location that is not so much a, a residential neighborhood? Because if you've got so many people in the community that are concerned about the potential impact of not just traffic, but what this attracts, these locations tend to attract because of the amount of valuable product they have and largely being a predominantly cash business, again, because the SAFE Act continues to fail in the Senate. I think the big question is, okay, of all the locations that you could approve this in Union City, why pick a largely residential area? And why not find an area that's more commercial? Well, and like I said earlier, a lot of the people that are up in arms about this are people that don't know much about retail cannabis stores in, in general. There are security measures to make sure that the type of things that have happened at other cannabis outlets will not happen. Uh, so having said that, so you're suggesting that there was no security at all at the floor store in Union Landing? No, no. I'm, uh, they had they had security. They had 24-7 security. So that proves my point, that 24-7 security did not dissuade somebody from going in with a gun and shooting someone as they attempted to rob that store. But security is always evolving. We, you know, as criminals change their their MO, we we as as government and as businesses have to change how we protect our, our assets. So uh, yes, Florida did have that, but it, it goes to show that criminals are not being held accountable. I bet you if we were to find the person that did that, 
that you'd find that they have a long criminal history. They have not been serving any time. And they feel that the the, the reward is much greater than the risk. Oh, so, and, undi- uh, and undoubtedly, from their perspective, it is. I mean, and, and we've certainly seen that case. There was one story out of San Francisco recently where uh, they hit up a store and wound up walking away with over a half million dollars in cash and products. So there's no doubt, the fact, that they find it attractive. And certainly, I don't think most casual robberies are going to take place in the middle of the night at gunpoint. But nevertheless, my point is, it does happen. It is happening. And it seems as if this, again, goes back to the issue that's being raised by the, the residents of the of the area, that this is not so much being against a pot store or even misunderstanding what they really do. I think people are reading the news and coming to a conclusion that this seems to be an inappropriate location for a store of this sort. The fact that there is weak follow-up from the criminal justice system and the DA in Oakland in Alameda County already seems to be in the, the crosshairs for some doesn't negate the kind of risk that it brings to a community. And I think that at the core is the major concern that is being ignored by the Union City Council. I mean, any of us can certainly look at what's going on in the news, read the number of stories related to an uptick in crime related to these kind of stores. Let me just give you a little perspective. California Street Cannabis Company in San Francisco last year burglarized, lost $100,000 in inventory. The San Francisco Examiner reporting the Bay Area pot shops frequently face mob robberies There were 20 such mob robberies in San Francisco last year alone. Two Bay Area counties, Alameda and San Francisco, recorded some of the highest numbers of robberies and burglaries in the cannabis industry in the entire state. Losses doubling year over year. And even the Craft Cannabis Coalition reports that one owner said his store was robbed at gunpoint three times in a matter of three weeks. Now, to argue that there's an uptick in crime overall is quite accurate. To argue that there is a failure of the criminal justice system, but it doesn't negate the fact that this is the reality of the kind of criminal activity that these stores attract and will continue to attract. And to suggest the problem is not poor choice of placing this in a residential neighborhood and instead pivot and say, well, it's the fault of the D.A. Really? I mean, that just seems to be an easy out with great respect agree to disagree with the council member that I don't think this is a matter of people being ignorant about how these stores operate. Yes, they have security, but you know what security does? They observe and they report. That's it. So if somebody thinks that just the presence of a security guard is going to make a difference, well, then few banks would ever be robbed because almost all of them have security guards. It's there to hopefully give a bit of a presence of a deterrent. But is it actually working? Well, look at the evidence in Union City alone. I mean, we're not cherry picking data from across the country. It's in their own town. And yet there seems to be a great eagerness to put the blindfolds on and ignore the trends that are happening, and instead of saying, let's rethink this. I wish we'd had time. I would have asked, so there were people that were in favor of this. Nobody showed up in opposition. What was the perimeter of notification? I would suspect that it was very minuscule. And at the end of the day, the city council meeting spoke all that you needed to know when you saw every single local resident get up in protest to this. And the only individuals that spoke in favor of it were either recruited by the applicant, Ray Gonzalez, were employees of the applicant, friends of the applicant. And I think there was one person that actually lived in the neighborhood that spoke in favor of this. So it seems to be a case of this is not the city council making a bad decision. This is the city council being of the opinion, and I'm reading Between the lines, the city council, those three votes that stood in favor of this, Jaime Patino, Scott uh, Sakakihara, and Mayor uh, Dutra, that this is the matter of the residents are just ignorant. The residents don't understand. They misunderstand this kind of business. Well, read the headline news, and I think you can pretty much conclude even the data that I've shared coming from the cannabis industry. One other quote that I'll share with you. The National Cannabis Risk Management Association reports that pot stores are taking the place of liquor stores and convenience stores as easier targets because they have lots of cash, limited security, and they sell a valuable product. That's the National Cannabis Risk Management Association. That's the pot sellers admitting that. So if it's clear to the pot sellers and it's clear to the residents, kind of makes you wonder why it's not so clear 
to the city council. You're a resident of Union City, and you do not agree with the conclusions drawn by Councilmember Patino. I invite you to reach out to him and uh, let your voice be heard. You got a chance now. You can email him Jaime P. That's uh, Jaime Patino, J A I M E. Jaime P. for Patino. Jaime Patino at UnionCity.org. That's Jaime P. at UnionCity.org. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We have for a number of weeks now been following the story of a recent decision by the Union City Council to approve its third marijuana store. To get some more background as to how this decision came about and what's happening in the city, we are joined by council member of Union City, Councilman Jeff Wang. And the council member, thank you so much for taking some time to be with us today. I understand that this is now the third marijuana store in Union City. Give us a little bit of understanding as to why Union City is adding more and more stores when you've had a number of neighboring cities like Fremont, for example, that has steadfastly said we're not interested in bringing this into our community. Give us your perspective on some of the history of all this. Sure. After marijuana and cannabis, legal in California, some people's request cannabis business in Union City, we allowed it to have a three license for five categories. One is the dispensary and the retail, and we also have a testing, manufacturing, distribution, and uh, cultivation in the five categories. Now we can have a 15 business. Wow. So it's beyond just the notion of having a retail sales location, but pretty much everything in the cultivation of the product to the harvesting, to the packaging, to the distribution. And we mentioned that this vote a couple of weeks ago in Union City, as this was brought to the floor for some discussion, you were a member of the city council who actually stood up and said, I'm going to recuse myself from this. I hope our listeners understand why you made that decision and why you felt it was important to sort of make that kind of public statement, not only before the crowd that was gathered there of Union City residents, but even in front of your fellow members of the city council? Well, the reason I'm doing this, there are a couple of reasons. Number one, we're allowed the cannabis and the Union City retail in Union City or not. We're talking about the locations. I am never agreed with the cannabis against my personal will. So vote for no initially, and we discussed the cannabis business and in Union City. So definitely say no. My votes will be no. In order to be fairly to discuss the not personal bios, then I decided to step out. And that clear means I can say no and for cannabis, no matter what. Union City is a small city, 70,000 people. I'm never interested initially have this business. Already have two. And personally, I don't think we necessarily need to do the one. Clearly, from some of the discussion put forward in the proposal voiced by the city manager, revenue into the city is a major motivating factor, undoubtedly, for those that voted in favor of this. And specifically for listeners, the three voting in favor adding this third marijuana store included Mayor Carol Dutra-Vernacci. Councilmember Jaime Patino and Councilmember Scott Sakakihara with Councilmember Singh voting no and as he just mentioned Councilmember Jeff Wang recusing himself from the vote on moral grounds and I guess one of the things that has a lot of Union City folks up in arms is what you touched on a moment ago that it's not necessarily an outright objection yes California voters voted in favor of recreational marijuana so it is now legal in our state though it still remains at the federal level a controlled drug Substance, but I think the the major concern has been the location. Unlike the other two marijuana stores that are located in predominantly commercial areas, one even almost in, in an entirely industrial area of the city, this would be the first one that is surrounded by residential. It is in a very small strip mall, but the only strip mall of its sort for many, many blocks. 75 feet from this particular location is residential housing for seniors, single family dwellings, multiple family dwellings. It's all in a 
concentrated residential area. And I think this is what is creating the degree of angst amongst residents from that neighborhood near Cherrywood is the sense that the city council, at least the three voting members that supported this decision, seem to be ignoring the potential impact, particularly in light of the fact there's been acts of violence perpetrated against the dispensary located on Union City Boulevard that had somebody even drive a car into their front windows in an attempt to try and rob it. And then more recently, of course, the store located there at Union Landing, where they were the subjects of armed robberies that shot someone. For residents listening, they know your position. I've already mentioned that Vice Mayor Gary Singh voted against this proposal. For people that are wondering, how did this even get passed and why are the desires of the residents of that area of Union City having their needs being ignored, their safety being ignored? How should people be responding to this? Definitely right. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned Hayward. Hayward, the population is much more, and the city is more than double than the, the Union City. They only have a two. Why we need more than two? Compared with Fremont, Fremont population is more than three times than us. They have none. I think that's too much. The second, that's a strip shopping center. Just across the street is the very high density apartments and the next senior apartments. And also in the back, less than 20 feet is a residence. That's too close. And besides, there's a shopping mall that only have a 71 parking lot. You're expecting over 1,000 people coming every day. That's what caused the big traffic jams. And we already experienced the problem with traffic on the, the decoder road. The Coda Road is one of the heaviest traffic and in the Union City. Yeah, undoubtedly so. And of course, residents of the area also know that there's frequently construction going on, road repairs, repairs to PG&E lines, things of this sort that's been going on for quite some time. And undoubtedly, residents in that neighborhood are wondering what's going to happen not only to their sense of peace and quiet enjoyment of their homes, but as well as protection of their children. I know that while technically Logan High School is not within the so-called protected zone, but council seemed to complain completely ignore the fact that many of the children that attend Logan High School come over to the 7-Eleven store in the same complex, 35 feet away from this proposed marijuana recreational dispensary, and they come there to get snacks after school and get candy and refreshments and things of that sort. So to suggest that it won't be near children, as was suggested by the city manager, is just completely not accurate. For folks that are frustrated by this, How should they be responding? Is it best for people to continue to write and call your colleagues on the city council that voted in favor of this? Yes, July 11th. The meeting is only ask the city councilor to vote for the intended to award the permits. So the city still will do lots of work. They still will have the second hearing and more hearings. And they will put the condition actually improved it. And I will recommend the people talking to the city councilor, talking to the city and the police department as well, bring your concerns. Those concerns are all relevant. For example, the neighborhood of traffic, the parkings to closing to the schools and the closing the, to the residents. There's so many the crimes. We see the crimes increasing and like the union landing and the recently and also there's another dispensary on the industrial area in the union city, the west side. So I want to encourage people to continue raising the voice. We will ask people real concern and the city more responsible. And we do need the, the money. Initially, the first year, they will have a 587000 in the revenues. Eventually, the five years, they will increasing the $1 million of revenue. And beside the Union City is the middle class cities. I have a question about where those numbers come from. Yeah, you almost have to wonder uh, whether or not there is anything built into the city ordinance that that requires operators of these facilities to be subjected to an annual public audit so that as much as the council, apparently at least your three colleagues, Sakahihara, Patino, and uh, Vernacci, are excited about the potential revenue, I'm wondering if there's any independent way of being able to verify those revenue numbers. Are they just simply taking it on the word of the uh, recreational marijuana store that this is how much we earn and we're going to send you a check? I think there's some short-sightedness in that. The other point, too, perhaps, uh, Council Member Wen, that you can speak to, some of the residents have voiced concerns saying that We get the fact that revenue is needed. 
Union City has one of the highest sales tax rates in the Bay Area, and yet there are challenges in the budget. They understand that. But as much as there is opposition to the placing of this in a residential neighborhood, as much as it would be, hey, if we opened up a racetrack, that would bring additional revenue to the city coffers. But I don't think anybody wants to see a horse racetrack open up across the street from the church that they attend or the house their family lives in or the school that their child goes to. And I think that's the big objection here. The location of this is so diametrically opposed to the atmosphere in which the previous two locations are at that both have histories of break-ins and of, of violent robberies that residents are questioning the kind of wisdom that went into choosing this particular location and somehow three of your colleagues on the council thinking that this is okay in a residential area. I think that's where a lot of the frustration stems from. I just want the people, the residents you are the voters. You have your voice. We need to continue to fight. Those kind of criminals and the related, related with the cannabis is increasing. And we need the revenue, but we want to also consider the public safety as well. This is more important than just the revenue. Raise your voice and come to the regular meetings and continue to talk about that. Councilmember Jeff Wang from Union City, we appreciate so much your candor and your time today. Thanks so much. Thank you. And as Councilmember Jeff Wang says, it's important that you stand up and have your voice and your vote counted. In order to express your concerns, contact Mayor Carol Dutra Vernacci, Carol D at UnionCity.org. That's Carol D at UnionCity.org. You can also email Councilmember Jaime Patino, Jaime P at UnionCity.org. That's J A I M E initial P for Patino, Jaime P at UnionCity.org, and Council Member Scott Sakakihara, Scott S at UnionCity.org. That's Scott S at UnionCity.org. Finally, voice your concern to the Chief of Police, Jared Renetti, Police Chief at UnionCity.org. That's Police Chief at UnionCity.org. And if you missed any of that information, you can simply go to the Union City website, UnionCity.org, and look up the contact information for the City Council. Specifically, your concern to Mayor Carol Dutra Vernacci, Councilmember Jaime Patino, and Councilmember Scott Sakakihara, the three that voted contrary to the will of the people, but in favor of this recreational marijuana store. Online at unioncity.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.